Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 23. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of author Dale Thompson, about devilish drinks, malevolent mothers, woeful wells, and violent volumes. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the tear, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors... Turn your lights down low and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Perhaps we should start the evening with a little refreshment. 
Maybe a little drink to soothe our nerves and our souls. But not everyone has such a relaxing time when they go out to the bar. In our first tale from Dale Thompson, we hear about an unfortunate soul who's about to find out that this evening isn't going to go the way he thought. Without further ado, I present to you Last Call. Evan Burr found himself out late, sauntering down the sidewalk on a night where the weather couldn't make up its mind if it wanted to rain or not. A light drizzle just made being outside without an umbrella an unpleasant stroll. He spotted a bar just up ahead and proceeded to head in that direction. He wouldn't mind a drink before going home. A group of people was just going in, so he entered in with them, nodding at the staff member who held the door open for everyone as they piled inside. It was much better in here, he thought, nice and dry. He went straight for the bar, found an empty bar stool and made himself comfortable, shaking off the beads of water with a shivering shake from the cold. The bartender walked by, and Evan shouted out, I'll take anything you got on tap. The bartender looked around at that point, didn't acknowledge his request, but kept walking toward the other end. Evan thought that was weird, but had hoped that the bartender had heard him. The room was noisy, but not too loud. There was music coming from a jukebox and people playing pool. He checked out the room, the people laughing and socializing, then he turned back to the bar to see where that bartender went. There was a glass sitting just out of reach, but he assumed it was his and he retrieved it right away. He was quite thirsty, so he knocked it back in one go and sat the mug on the bar. Again, he took a notice of the room and spotted a couple of very attractive young women sitting together at a table, enjoying their drinks. One look in his direction, and he politely smiled, not wanting to be presumptuous, and he thought he saw her smile back. Being shy, he turned back to the bar and found another beer was there, right where he had left the empty mug. Oh, I was quick. I didn't even have to ask that time. That bartender's good, he thought. Though he didn't order a second drink, he welcomed it. It was later than Evan had thought when he came in. Now the bartender yelled out, Twenty minutes still closing. Drink them down if you got them and make your way to the door. We're closing up. Evan was nursing his second drink and watching the ball game on the TV behind the bar. He loved his baseball and his favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds, playing the San Diego Padres in San Diego. He absolutely loved baseball and had forgotten that the game was going to be on. Now he wished he was home so he could get comfortable and watch the game. Living on the East Coast, one had to stay up late to watch a nighttime West Coast game. Evan got consumed in the game and fell into a bit of a daze. Suddenly, without warning, the TV turned off. This snapped him out of his fixation. That was when he realized that not only had the TV been turned off, but the lights in the bar were off, the music was no longer playing, and everyone had gone. He was alone. Evan rubbed his eyes in disbelief. He spun around 180 degrees on the bar stool and stood up. Other than a couple of small neon signs glowing against the back of the bar, 
There was no other light. The place was like a tomb, silent and empty, with the exception of Evan, who now stood to his feet. Thought, now this is odd. How'd everyone manage to leave without me knowing? And how did the bartender not see me when he turned out the lights? Evan thought it was a long shot, but he headed for the door. He found it bolted shut. The iron bars had been slid over and locked in front of it. He headed to an exit sign that caught his eye, and there he found a solid steel door fastened tight as well. Without hesitation, he headed for the kitchen, which was dark except for an illuminated sign in the very back. Once again, any attempt to escape through the exits was futile. Well, Judas Priest, this is a fine mass. Evan had not gone into full panic mode yet, but he did feel out of sorts and a bit weak. He sat on the stool in the kitchen to gather his thoughts. If I call the police, they'll never believe I got locked in. They'll think I am uh, some ignorant thief who locked himself in. However, there's no break-in. So, how could I be considered a robber? What if they say I must have been hiding in the bathroom, or something ridiculous to that degree? I'm screwed. Regardless of the outcome, he opted to use the phone and call the police. However, there was no public phone in sight, and the room with the sign that read office was locked. What a predicament. Well, maybe I could pick the lock in the office with a knife or something, he thought out loud. He returned to the kitchen and went for what he assumed was a knife drawer. He didn't know what was wrong with him, but the drawer was a monstrous pull to open, and after he finally got it, he realized it wasn't the knife drawer. Maybe I'll just get a drink and settle up the tab tomorrow. Evan made his way to the bar area. All of the bottles sitting behind the bar we're locked behind a sliding glass window now. Well, there went the idea for a stiff drink. He spoke out loud again. He reached under the bar to retrieve a glass mug, and the weakness that he felt earlier returned. A glass mug weighed a ton. He wrestled, using both hands to drag it off the shelf, and through some labor, he managed to sit it under the tap. Oh, my gracious, he thought. I feel drugged. Light-headed, even. Maybe a drink's not the best thing right now. His eyes were going in and out of focus, and he swore the room was brighter than it was just moments ago. He brushed it off as just his eyes were tired and were adapting to the room. But no, he thought. There is something more. Evan felt lighter, as if his feet were barely touching the ground and the room most certainly was glowing a faint hue of white. His vision was out of focus. He struggled, squinting to adjust his sight. This is remarkable. What the devil could this mean? His panic had subsided, and he wasn't as concerned about living as he was before. Being rescued or finding a way out of this detention didn't seem as important or pressing. He couldn't justify in his mind why he suddenly reconciled his captivity. But he was feeling serene about the whole thing. He was quite intrigued with what was happening to him and around him. Absolutely baffling. He wandered around now as light as a feather, 
having a peek about the bar. He still felt uneasy, fragile, even squeamish, but he attempted to adapt to what was happening. As he acclimated himself, he analyzed and came up with several what-ifs, maybes, as to why he was feeling so remarkably out of sorts. Maybe there's a gas leak, he suddenly reasoned. More concern vexed his reasoning. Consternation crept back into his maudlin rumination. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Making his way to the men's restroom, he found there was a narrow, shoebox-sized window about head height, far too small to squeeze through. But he imagined that if he were feeling the effects of some gas, worst-case scenario, carbon monoxide, he needed to get fresh air. What's wrong with me? The window was too tightly shut for him to open. He struggled with the latch for a few moments, unable to break it free from its locked position. He didn't feel as though he had lost strength. It was that everything seemed ponderously heavy or shut tighter than usual. Everything that he attempted to do or try was met with grievous failed attempts. The night was turning into a night of cumbersome failures. His thoughts of surviving now kicked in, and he returned to the kitchen to find some sort of cloth to wrap around his face in order to protect his mouth and nose from any poisonous gases. He located a dish towel, and even that managed to give him a struggle as he endeavored to wrap it around his head. He cloaked himself in the towel to cover his nose and mouth, leaving his eyes and the top of his head exposed. The mummifying experience seemed to have drained his energy, and he was forced to take a seat. His legs had truly been affected by something foreign. They were abnormally light, cannular, void of mass. After a short rest, knowing the importance of making that phone call to the police for help, with strenuous willpower he stood to his feet. His desperation led him to other drawers in search of a knife, and after great difficulty, he managed to slide open a drawer and procure a knife. Yes! He was forced to take another break. Containing the knife was no easier for him than if he had climbed Mount Everest. There was no reason that he could ascertain as to why he was floundering about in such a pathetic way. His motor skills seemed to have a broken connection. He felt his head to make sure he didn't have any lumps or bumps. He considered the possibility that he may have fallen at one point and didn't remember causing a disconnect. 
a disruption to his cranial sensory nerves. He didn't discover any abnormalities. The job now was to have the ability to carry the knife back to the office and pry open the office doors in hopes that a phone could be found. Swaying along, he found he moved better, with more ease, by using a bit of rhythm. He hoped the cameras, if there were cameras, didn't pick up his odd walking. They would surely imagine that he was plastered. Once at the door, he bent down and tried to pick the lock. The knife was obviously too large, and that was fruitless. He then attempted to stick the knife into the bolt itself, thinking it may not be latched super tight. He ended up using too much force, and the knife blade snapped off. Rats! He was in a quandary. Another attempt, maybe? With the same agonizing undertaking, he painstakingly returned to the kitchen and retrieved a second knife. This one was more formidable than the first. Straining and twisting with much exigency, he felt the deadbolt give a little and his spirits brighten because now he was making headway. With copious soliloquy, the deadbolt eventually gave away and the door creaked open. The office, at a desk, was messy with papers and receipts. After a bit of rummaging, he found a phone with a landline, he hoped. It was a mission to pick up the telephone receiver. The phone felt like a cast-iron weight in his hands. Wrestling the receiver to his ear, he endeavored to dial 911. Mission accomplished. A voice on the other end. 911, what's your emergency? Hello, this is Evan Burr. I'm locked in a bar and I can't get out. The voice on the other end repeated, 911, what is your emergency? For heaven's sakes, lady, I need help. The operator spoke for a third time. Are you injured? Do you need an ambulance? What's your location? I don't know the address. Can't you trace this call? Evan just couldn't put a name on the bar. He had no clue where he was. In fact, as he thought back, he didn't know why on this night he was walking down this particular street which he couldn't name. How'd they get here? He reminisced about the events of the night. He was unable to evocate any memories of the day except getting in his car and driving down the highway to work. Where'd I leave the car? Think, man, think. He couldn't rationalize where it was, how he got here, or what put him on this street. He had no memory of driving to this place. His last clear memory was being in his car on the way to work. How is this possible? Nothing in his memory justified how he ended up in the place. This was the first time Evan felt afraid. It was the worst fear of all, the sudden fear. He laid the phone on the desk and returned to the bar. He pulled the handle on the tap, using both hands, and a frothy draft poured into the mug. With all of his might, he gripped the glass with both hands and put it to his mouth and guzzled it like a parched man in the desert. He returned the mug to the tap and watched it. Without pulling the tap himself, no interference or effort from Evan whatsoever. Magically, fantastically, the glass filled itself from the bottom of the glass up to the rim. Evan recoiled. This isn't right. 
Something is super spooky going on here, he noticed. Verbalizing the words robotically, he thought back to the street. Nothing seemed remarkable. He remembered walking in the drizzle and the sprinkling rain entering the bar. His thoughts stopped. He remembered nodding to the bar employee as he entered the bar, but the employee didn't return his gesture. The bartender. Why didn't he act like he saw me or heard me when I ordered a drink? But there was a drink. Yes, it was directly in front of me. But there was a drink? He didn't hear me or not. Was that my drink? Or was it intended for someone else? And that girl smiled at me? Evan focused and thought hard. Was it possible that she wasn't returning the smile, but was simply smiling at the conversation that she and her friend were having and just so happened to turn her head towards him at that precise moment? And the second beer that magically appeared. I didn't order it, but there it was. And this feeling of floating and my weakness. Evan became more fearful. He pinched himself. He felt no sensation of a pinch or pain. He lacked sensation. He noted the numbness throughout his body, not just his legs, and detected an odd, unnatural, feather-like atmosphere that was all about him. This was not the sensation of the living. Since he'd never experienced death, he had no idea what death perceived. A mirror. Yes, a mirror to look in. He had not even noticed the mirror behind the bar. He stood directly in front of it, and all he saw was a faint light, like a large orb where his reflection should be. He was nothing but backscatter. What the hell is my body? As fascinating as all this was, Evan was hardly impressed. He pushed the glass mug out from under the tap hard, connected with the floor in a shattering explosion of shards and splinters. He punched the window that had the liquor locked behind it, but it merely reverberated with a rattle. Evan rampaged for a bit, managing to flip a couple of bar stools and violently roll a few pool balls across the table. By this time, he was exhausted. Now it came to him. He'd been in the slow lane of the freeway when the cars ahead were merging. He attempted to shift lanes, but when he did, he never saw the car in his blind spot. This caused him to spin out, like flashes of bright images. The recall from the accident played before his eyes. Out-of-control memories swirled round and round, spiraling unmercifully before his eyes like the dream that escaped his mind. There was a crash, a massive thud. The world spun. Then there was a violent hit to the other side of his vehicle, and the airbag exploded, smashing his face. Glass flew in the air, and the car rolled. Broken, flying glass pelted his face. His car was being twisted and mangled by impact after impact. In every direction, there were shards of glass, and there was nothing Evan could do except hold tightly onto the steering wheel the best he could. He was wearing his seatbelt, and it pulled tight like a constrictor across his waist and chest. Something heavy, couldn't be sure what, smashed into his head, 
then at that precise moment, he was walking down an unknown street in Iran. He spotted a bar just up ahead and proceeded in that direction. The chaos and ferociousness of the car crash were gone, as if it had never happened. The next day, when the bar reopened, the owner found the place in a mess. It appeared there was an attempted robbery. However, he couldn't ascertain how or where the intruder would have gotten into the building. The owner found the phone off the hook in the office. The office had been ransacked, leaving it in greater disarray than it already was. Leaving things the way he found them so as to not disturb any evidence, he used his phone to call the police. When the police arrived, they wanted to view any surveillance footage that might have been captured. Oddly, on the video footage, they spotted a white glowing orb floating about the bar area. Wherever the orb drifted to, unexplained things were happening. Mugs were being moved without the aid of anyone. The pool balls rolled on their own across the table. Glass exploded and bar stools were flipped over. Unable to explain such a supernatural phenomenon, the police joked that the bar owner needed Ghostbusters for this case. Over time, the rumors of paranormal activity in the bar spread, and the bar grew in popularity with people wanting to see some mystical, otherworldly happening, maybe an apparition or a transcendental occurrence. Most people, admittedly, never saw a thing. A few swore they saw the orb. A few whack jobs, as the bar owner called them, swore they experienced unearthly phenomena within the bar. The bar owner himself never admitted a thing, but in a newspaper article highlighting his establishment, he did say that every night there would be two glasses of draft beer he couldn't account for. I hope you enjoyed Last Call by Dale Thompson, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed the tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Thompson. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. You may be more familiar with Dale through his music than his writing. Find out more about his work through the Dale Thompson YouTube channel with samples of his albums and the occasional outtake or two of his 45-year career. If you do decide to stop by his profile, please leave Dale a kind word and let him know you heard about him here on this show and that Otis Jiry sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. You may think me crazy. A lot do. But there are worse ways to spend eternity than in a bar as a lost spirit. You could be one of the spirits that gets bought up by a frat house party on a wild Saturday night. Many a Captain Morgan have been shamelessly lost that way. One place you might feel a little safer is at home. But what if home becomes a prison in and of itself? Suddenly things are upside down 
and everything and everyone you loved is gone. Is it just a nightmare? Or are there more sinister forces at work? In our second story from Dalethausen, the father is about to learn about something much more dangerous than a poor night's sleep from a crying infant. Without further ado, I present to you Wake Screaming. The night brings its phantasms, its lucid dreams, and devilish nightmares, but it can also wake a sleeping man to sheer terror and mounting confusion where reality is suffocating and the man prays it's a dream. Delusion. That's what it must be. Peace was just moments before because Anthony Burgess knew he was fast asleep and, subconsciously, he knew he was snug, warm, and comfortable. He was beside his wife, Mary, in the bed, and his infant daughter was resting quietly across the hall. But at this moment, right after the serenity, there were chilling screams. Anthony didn't feel as though he woke up immediately to respond. He felt as if it took his mind some time to process and rationalize that a situation was occurring while he slept. Unforeseen fear tightened around his heart like a tourniquet, and as he came to, his breathing was rapid and noxiously heavy, as if he had been running. He sensed a morbid darkness, something elusive, yet something to fear, his eyes tried to focus, and his ears stopped ringing. There were no screams now. There was nothing but a dark room. He reached over to touch his wife, but she wasn't there. Her side of the bed was empty and cold. He swung his legs out of bed, slipped into his robe, and made his way across the hall to his infant daughter's room. To his dismay, neither Mary nor his daughter Rachel were there. Crib was not there either. Could his wife have gotten up in the night and pushed the baby in the crib to another part of the house? This didn't make sense. Anthony began flipping light switches on in the house as he searched room to room. Frantic to the core, deeply sickened, and physically nauseated by the absence of his family, Anthony tore the house apart in desperation, his anguish growing ever more present and the dread of hopeless abandonment looked over his efforts. He became proactively aggressive in a truculent fit which overwhelmed him, and things were being broken and ransacked by his now irrational, uncontrolled behavior. When his adrenaline had run out, he slumped to the floor in the corner of the kitchen, sobbing into his hands. There was no sign of his wife or daughter, and no crib. His mind raced with the worst scenarios. It was only moments in his withdrawn and desolate state before he returned to his senses. Knowing he needed to keep a clear head and be optimistic, he focused, attempted to orient himself, and wiped the tears from his swollen eyes. Could they have been taken? Kidnapped while he slept. Was the baby sick? Mary left in a panic to take her to the emergency room without telling him. As ridiculous as that sounded, he ran to his driveway but found both of their cars there in the driveway, unmoved. 
Going back into the house, the panic was like a suffocating force. I was having a hard time breathing. Anthony had been known to have these episodes because of his diagnosed hyperthyroidism. He'd been taking radioactive iodine as treatment. But this situation seemed to escalate his feeling of accruing impending doom. He desiderated as if his skin was beginning to crawl off the bone. He made his way to the kitchen, poured a glass of water from the tap, drank it thirstily, and tried to reason this out. The sound of another terrifying scream was heard. That could be Mary, he thought, and it came from somewhere in the house. He'd already looked in every room, but he charged off again, thrashing things about, opening cupboards, closet doors, even drawers. When he swung open his own closet door, he was met with a blackness that suddenly encompassed the room, as if someone had thrown a dark blanket upon everything. He was engulfed in blindness. For a moment, he was completely in the dark, and the only thing he could hear was his own breathing, although he had managed to force a full-blown spasm away before it took a hold of him. This momentary, unexplained darkness elevated all of his senses. It was as if, when he opened the closet door, the room was swallowed by a larger, darker space. He was no longer in his bedroom, looking into the closet. He was somewhere where the only light seen was a dull, faint glow straight ahead and some distance away. Uncertain about what to do, he really had no choice. If his daughter and wife were there, he could not be dilatory. He had to make his way to that glowing light with haste. Fumbling about and not going too fast, in fear of possibly stumbling over something or missing something along the way, he walked an imaginary path forward toward the glow. He could see nothing, feel nothing, hear nothing on either side, and he dared not look back because a creeping feeling was slowly manifesting up his spine. Nothing was in focus. He wasn't sure if his eyes were blurring the glowing light or if it was naturally ambiguous. As he moved closer to it, he realized it was a door and there was a light shining behind the door, which, from a distance, caused everything to appear distorted and fuzzy. The door had no handle, so he gave it a careful push and it opened. The first thing he saw were open doorways with different colored glowing lights burning from each one. He couldn't be sure if these were individual rooms or many doorways going to the same place. How to pick a doorway to enter through, he didn't know. Like a person reads a book from left to right, he picked the yellow-lit doorway to the far left and cautiously went through its frame. Appeared to be some sort of maze. He heard the cries of a woman again, but they sounded as if they were somewhere to the right. Maybe he had chosen the wrong door. He couldn't be sure. He wasn't certain if it was Mary's voice at all, but he had to assume it was. He made his way through the yellow lit maze, which was wall after wall of twists and turns, and he found himself back at the beginning where he had first entered. There had been nothing remarkable at all about the yellow maze. He'd hurried through. He'd surmised that time was of the essence. Although he spent little time in the yellow-lit maze, he found nothing alluding to his wife and daughter's disappearance. 
wasn't a single clue that presented itself. He chose the next door, which glowed with ambient blue light. Within this maze, he came to another open door, and beyond that, the maze glowed red. He assumed all of this was connected, and he was going deeper within this zigzag labyrinth to some sort of unknown destination. He was distraught and pathetically aimless. If all of this was here to confuse him, to keep him rattled and on a false trail, then it was working. He didn't have time to consider the absurdity of this ersatz reality that had been thrust upon him. He was desperate and indigent, but he was alone, feeling powerless and weak. His mind was fixed on his family, and right now he would do anything to rescue them from this twisted catacomb. If they were in this mystical place of obscurity and shadows, he was intent on finding them. He heard the female voice again, closer now, and he swore it called out his name. She didn't sound like she was in pain, but sounded desperate. He called back as loud as he could, expectorating with full voice. Fervently, he called his wife's name over and over again. Mary! 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 And the call that came back buckled his knees. It was the sound of a baby crying. It screeched with a colic cry. And Anthony stopped to gauge its direction. He glanced around, his darting eyes begging, wanting for any sign. What he saw next was petrifying. It was a man. Yes, a man was coming toward him. The man wasn't intimidating or threatening. He looked like an ordinary man. He had no facial expression, but his eyes looked deliberate. He spoke first. First thing you must do is trust me. If you want to find your wife and get out of here, I'm your only hope. Anthony felt like he had nothing to lose, so he simply nodded and opened his ears to listen. Although nothing added up and everything was unreasonable, he ardently listened. What I'm about to tell you is my story. It's unbelievable, but true. Before you interrupt or ask questions, please hear me out. Yes, your wife was taken. She was stolen by my mother. My mother was an evil woman who only had one child, and that was me. She resented me because it was a hard birth. She wanted many children, but because of the damage she suffered giving birth to me, she could no longer give birth. She sought mystics and magicians and even faith healers, but her dabbling into the occult and the darker things took its toll and changed her. After many incantations and experimental sorceries, the spiritual wickedness in high places assaulted her and played upon her societal failure in such a way that she became a changeling and, consequently, was banished to a world outside of the living. Her witchery turned on her and imprisoned her, not in hell or purgatory, but in a state of repetitive limbo. That's where we are now. This is where she can play tricks on the mind, cause confusion and delusion, and make you believe things are real when in fact they are not. You're not in a maze. You've never left your home. Think hard. It's not going to be easy for you to accept. My mother, as demented as she is, 
lost in her forbidden world, does not steal babies. She abducts women who are just pregnant. Your daughter, Rachel, has not been born yet. These are thoughts my mother has created in your head so as to confuse you and have you searching endlessly for not only your wife, but a daughter that does not exist yet outside the womb. Your wife is still carrying your baby daughter. Think hard. Right now, you're desperate to find a baby girl that you have no memory of being born. This maze is an illusion to deprive you of life if you fall for the trickery. My mother wants to leave your soul impoverished and to deprive it of any joy that it can ever ascertain. Though she usurps her authority, she really has no power once you catch on to her illusions. This is a sterile, lifeless, placeless, timeless, ultra-dimensional gray existence with no substance in the temporal or spiritual. My mother will misdirect you and use machinations to achieve her end goal. We are, in fact, nowhere in that regard. If I can only get you to see that this has been created in your mind by her influence, you've never left your house. This creature my mother has become steals away women who are with child in order to snatch the baby away upon birth. I've managed to enter this world through my own unconventional means and may pay for it with my soul. But you are not the first I've sought to rescue from this invisible monster. You must stop looking here for your wife and child because there's nothing here to find. What you're looking for is back in your house. I can return with you if you'll trust me. And together we'll save your wife from my mother's lunacy. With God's help, we can put an end to this infernal mockery and drive my mother away for good from the land of the living. Take my hands and think of your home with your wife. Remember, remember, remember. It's critical that you find your way back. Anthony struggled with thought and memory. He pressed hard to recall the birth of his daughter, but he could not. Could this be true? Had his daughter not yet been born? How could this be? The crib was not in the room when he initially looked. He could also not remember seeing the typical things that one would find in a newborn's room. No crib, no changing table. Surely they would have had a rocking chair in there. But he saw none. There was no mobile, no nightlight that he remembered. There were none of the basic things that parents would have in a baby's room. Looking at his only hope, Anthony took the man's hands. Though he didn't know this man or even his name, he understood this was all beyond him. Close your eyes and think about your wife. Concentrate. Anthony did as he was told. His eyes squeezed shut and memories of his wife flashed through his mind. He couldn't hold on to just one thought, and like a magic lantern, her image was projected at different points of her life. One portrait after another visualized until he heard a baby crying again. His eyes popped open, and he and the man were standing downstairs in his living room. Did you hear a baby cry? That's my baby. Anthony was sure of it. 
I heard the baby cry, but please listen. That baby is the key. She has not been born yet, but she's crying from inside your wife. She's crying from the womb. She's very special, and she's the one to break this charm my mother's cast. We must be careful. Say what I say and do what I do, the man instructed. First, we need switches. Anthony looked at the man peculiarly. Switches? You mean from a tree? The man answered yes. So Anthony led him outside where the man gathered several switches from a birch tree. The two men returned to the house, and the cries of the baby were heard again. Anthony felt desperate, but followed the man's lead. Going upstairs because your wife will be in the bedroom, and my mother will be watching her. Your unborn daughter is strong, said the man. When the two of them arrived at the top of the stairs, the man handed Anthony a heavy switch. Do what I do and say what I say, instructed. Just remember... I am the man from long ago, he said as they advanced. The man began to shout with a commanding voice. Take yours. Give mine back. Take yours. Give mine back. Anthony twinned what the man was saying as they proceeded toward the bedroom. Their approach was less than stealthy. There was no need for a surprise because the changeling already knew they were there. Her own child and Anthony coming to drive her away. What had not been revealed to Anthony was that the man had pursued his own mother for ages. He had always been successful in saving the unborn, but she had always managed to return. This time was different. He could hear the cries of the unborn child, the cries of the unborn child emitting from the womb, echoing power and resistance to the abduction Mary was held in the house, remaining there only because of the strength and opposition of the little girl who had not yet entered the world. The unborn child had protected its mother from being snatched away. As the two men came into the room, there lay Mary unconscious. She won't have any memory of this, so you can tell her anything you want about what has happened. I found most women do not want to know that they were almost dragged away forever. My mother would take the child if she could and replace it with something vulgar, not human. You cannot let her have her way. In the corner of the room was a foggy blackness with some human form. The eyes were lifelessly black and looked as though they were melted, oblong, and uneven. Her mouth was a dull black and gaped open. She squirmed in the corner like someone in agony and affliction. Anthony wanted to rush to his Mary, but the man held him back. We have to finish this first, or she will never go away. Anthony was repulsed by the sight of this man's mother. She was the thing who feasted upon the breast milk of the captured. She was the one who lusted to steal away the innocent and change them into something as hideous as herself. She was an inhuman malignancy that had to be cut away from this world. She made no sounds. She just watched, as if a frightened animal. She's not brave, but she is dangerous. More so cornered than at any time. Her shape began to roll as if a storm was brewing. 
Anthony continued mumbling the chant with fascination. There was a sound of static over their heads. Electrical currents seemed to be jumping and leaping from corner to corner, spider-webbing a sporadic, uncontrolled pattern. Don't be afraid. She's using worn-out magic. The man began to shout. Give it to me! Anthony joined in. The man slowly approached his mother, the grotesque changeling, who seemed not to have any recognition of her own son. He slapped the switches against the floor as he approached, with Anthony at his heels, mimicking his every thrash. They moved faster, rapidly flailing the switches. When they came close enough to actually strike the changeling, the man swung the switches like a warrior in chaotic battle, beheading the enemy from right to left. In silence, the changeling recoiled and looked pitiful, becoming smaller with every attack. The entire time the man was shouting at the top of his lungs, Give it to me! Take me! The static lightning was spitting everywhere now. White noise ricocheted with no coherence at the madness. A perfect example of onomatopoeia. Crackle, click, pop, pop, pop. The changeling was dissolving. In the blackness of the fog and smoke, rolling in the corner was turning pale and light. The face of a woman could now be seen. It was the face of a confused woman, who appeared to have no idea where she was. The man drew closer, being drawn in by the face of his mother. The last words he spoke before being snatched into the smoke and disappearing along with the woman was, Mother, take me. Calm engulfed the room, and in a way, the seriousness of the silence was difficult to trust. Anthony tossed the switches he was gripping in his hands to the floor and ran to his wife. Her eyes opened and she smiled. Is it morning already? It was one of the best sleeps ever, she said. Some months later, Anthony and Mary were pushing along their baby stroller in a local park. It was a brilliant day with just enough clouds to fight off the heat of the sun and shade them from the UV rays. They loved this park. There were two wonderful rows of cherry blossom trees in full bloom. The way the light reflected off them made them glow angelically. Many people were taking pictures in front of this simultaneous flowering. It felt as though they were standing in a Christmas ornament. A man's voice was heard. Excuse me, Anthony? Anthony and Mary turned to see a man standing there with a smile on his face. You might not remember me, but we met some time ago. I hope you enjoyed Wake Screaming by Dale Thompson, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed what you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured author can be found by visiting our website. Just visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash Thompson. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Be sure to take a gander at his official YouTube channel, filled with songs and outtakes from his long and storied music career, 
or simply wait to hear if he has more stories to come our way in the near future. As a reminder, if you decide to give tonight's talented feature authors stories a read, please consider leaving them a quality review and a kind word, or a thoughtful public comment and an upvote. Be sure to let them know you heard about them on this program that me, Otis Jarvis, sent you. It means more to me than you can imagine, and I'm pretty sure Dale would much appreciate it as well. Thanks again for your support of this show and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's program and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find my releases from my series Horror Storytime dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Jiry. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep. <laughs> if you can. <laughs>
Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.